Welcome to Trailblazing Homeschool. I'm Melissa, a homeschooling mom of five. And I'm RJ, homeschooling dad and credentialed teacher for over eight years. Join us as we journey with families to discover their own path to education. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Trailblazing Homeschool. RJ and I are here today to talk about a pretty big topic and hopefully we can fit this all into one episode. Otherwise, it might get broken up into two episodes. We will have to see. Yes, so we are tackling the topic of learning styles today. And this is something that I think is really important and really helpful to parents in general, whether you homeschool or not. Just people in general. Yeah, it's just, you know, self-awareness, self-reflection. We're big fans of that. Yes. But to be honest, in order to record this episode, we actually had to do a lot of preparation and research and kind of pulling out some old, not old resources, but resources that we had in our various places. And, you know, RJ had to dig back into that exciting educational grad school material that he loved so much. Yes, it had its moments, good and bad. Yes. So one of the resources that we are going to be referencing a lot and using to kind of guide the discussion is a book and it is called How They Learn. It is written by Cynthia Ulrich Tobias. And this was a book that was recommended to me, I think, through a blog or some rabbit hole on Amazon I went down when I was curious about learning styles. It is published by Focus on the Family, so it's a part of that whole network and group. It is a good book. It's especially good to have as a reference. And so we're going to kind of go through all various things that she goes through, maybe minus one, and then we're going to add a few other things and other places and resources that we have found and used. I would like to start by just saying, hold all of this stuff loosely. Not in the sense that it's not valuable because it's very, very valuable, but don't grab onto one and just decide that's it and that's the solution because in all reality we as human beings are incredibly complex and it has been my experience as a human and as a teacher that these are these are categories these are thought processes these are theories that help us explain but cannot explain everything entirely themselves and so each of these different kind of theories we're going to be talking about and working about are issues we're going to be thinking through will play a part, but none of them will kind of all encompass the topic. Yeah, absolutely. For you or for your kids. Do not put yourself or your kids in a box and then only operate out of that box. You know, we, we Recipe have to for be, disaster. Yeah, absolutely. So we want you to be able to use these as a positive tool to help your homeschooling world and process be more successful, not create more conflict in your home and, and schooling life. So yeah. So the first area and probably the one that this How They Learn book focuses on heavily are the mind styles. And this is based off of 
the work and studies of Dr. So, and again, I do want to say that all of these different things that we're going to be talking about today are based off of actual studies and research. And I mean, some of these ideas and studies and everything have been around for over a hundred years. So uh, these are not just personality types. This is not Enneagram, you know, any of that stuff. This is stuff all specific to learning and specific to scientific study and not just, you know, general ideas or observations. So yeah, so Mind Styles by Gregork. What are the mind styles, RJ? Okay, so it kind of works on a on a coordinate plane, a grid. Yes. Many of these have kind of this like coordinate, like yeah. box, like the four It's the four a spectrum, boxes. but it's a spectrum in two dimensions, right? Mm -hmm. So you have one pair of the spectrum is concrete versus abstract, and the other one is sequential versus random. And so you can be a concrete sequential or a concrete random or an abstract sequential or abstract random, and those will kind of determine to some degree or help explain how and how how you operate, what you like, what you dislike, what you struggle with, those type of things. Mm -hmm. And it's really, again, it's focusing on how your brain thinks, mm -hmm. like the, the bigger picture of how it operates and how it thinks. So I know um, in the book itself, she gives really good examples just even from her own life and relationships with her husband and her kids and just how they think and like how they were struggling to relate until they realized that you know she was an abstract thinker and he was a concrete thinker and so they would hit conflict when she wasn't understanding how he was viewing something a lot of the stuff is perspective yeah and once you realize that you have a perspective and they have a perspective and that you're getting lost in the weeds between the two, right. it allows you to better understand what actually is going on and is contributing to the miscommunication so you can then fix it. Right, exactly. Because there is no right or wrong way of thinking in this particular model. There's no you know, better or worse. It's just how do you operate so that we can then use that information to communicate better to mm -hmm. just run things better. Yeah, because if you understand where you're at, then you can also then shift how you're seeing things. Or if you can understand how, where they're at, then you can, you know, that then can play into the way you operate as well. So for example, a concrete sequential person is someone who is your like standard logical person. Think like Spock. They want to follow the directions. They like predictability. They want to get just the facts. They love the structured environment and they struggle with things like working in groups, discussions that seem to have no specific point, they're not really good at shooting the breeze, and with working with unpredictable people or dealing with abstract ideas. So theoretical things may frustrate them. They like the, 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 the solid concrete things. Mm -hmm. Moving over to an abstract sequential person, they're kind of, one of their goals is to be heard. They like to analyze situations and come up with, you know, logical, use logic to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. But they tend to struggle when they're being for, forced to work um, with those of different views, or there's lots of specific rules and regulations, or people who are like overly sentimental in their thinking. I think I fall into this category because I care about tradition, I care about the rules, but only in the service of the end goal, <laughs> you know, type of thing. 
And so I would fit into that category most likely. Moving down, you have concrete and random. So these are people who like to experiment to find answers. There's like the, like want to try it again and again and again with changing the variations over and over again in order to get an answer. They want to find it rather than it be given to them. They like to take risks generally and they like to use their intuition to solve the problems. They have a hard time when there's restrictions and limitations. They dislike formal reports. They dislike routines, those type of things. Abstract random people. That, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> They listen to others. They like to bring harmony in group situations. They like to establish healthy relationships with others, but they find it hard when they have to explain or justify their feelings. They generally dislike competition. They do not like working with dictatorial or authoritarian personalities, and they don't like working in restrictive environments. Yes. So those are kind of the, just it's on a spectrum. And, you know, I think we all kind of will bleed into other Yes, and that's Categories. something you need to know about all of these. Any learning style, any evaluate, evaluation tool that you're going to use, like no one is 100% one thing. You know, you're yeah. going to read through these and go, oh, but I'm a little bit of this. And mm -hmm. It's just what are your dominant mm -hmm. areas? Yeah. Because that's going to help you know how to make adjustments. Yeah. And so, yeah. And if you, if you were to like... Oftentimes these assessment with assessments, if you can find an assessment for them, what they'll do is they'll put dots on the coordinate plane, mm -hmm. four dots, one for each quadrant, and then they'll draw like a bubble in between them to show you like, okay, maybe you're a little weak on this one side, like you're kind of in the, you know, closer to zero, zero um, here, but you're really strong in this quadrant. So it's not that you can't or that you won't operate it in multiple quadrants. It's that predominantly you kind of resting places one or maybe a side top or bottom, whatever it is, more so than the others. Yeah, absolutely. So there are evaluation like quizzes that you can take. You can look up like Gregork Mind Styles online, or if you pick up the book, How They Learn, which will have a link in the show notes to get that on Amazon, then she has an evaluation inside the book that you can do. So yeah, that's Mind Styles. Actually, I want to jump down to the next one, which is probably the one that you've heard the most about or maybe the most familiar with, and that is learning modalities, which would be like the visual, auditory, kinesthetic. Sometimes people add in read, write. So this is a really common one. I'm sure mm -hmm. you had to go through this a ton oh, yeah. in school and as you're becoming yeah. a teacher. Teachers like tools and they steal them from wherever they can get them. And it's a easier way, especially since there's been a big push to differentiate, which is just to like individualize learning as much as possible in a classroom setting. So they mm -hmm. focus a lot on that and understanding modalities helps with that because then you can kind of target what you're doing to different modalities. So meaning that like, if you think of like a old school traditional classroom, it's read a book, write a paper. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't appeal to all modalities. So they've been trying to force or encourage, however you want to do that, teachers to diversify their product, the in, the in thing that the kid turns in. And so modalities help in that because it's like, oh, I need a product that's a little bit more visual or I need a product that's a little bit more kinesthetic or I need a product that's a little bit more auditory. And also with teaching in those things that it's not just read a book, write a paper, it's maybe watch a video or have them, you know, produce a piece of art 
you know, have, go learn out on the field something, uh, you know, something from history class rather than these things. And so it kind of works both from a teaching and from a learning side. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this, you know, visual, auditory, rewrite, kinesthetic, like there's been an increase on this too with the the emphasis on STEM or STEAM mm -hmm. stuff too, that like kids need to get their hands on stuff and not just, again, like you're saying, the read a, read a book, write a paper, that kind of stuff. Also the idea of bringing back in the discourse and the discussion mm -hmm. that was lost for a while. You know, when we did the episode talking about the homeschool styles, the classical model mm -hmm. in particular emphasizes heavily on discussion and yeah. answering questions and that kind of stuff. So one of the other resources specific to learning modalities, learning styles, these ones, is a group called VARK. So it's literally V-A-R-K. And if you go to their website, which is vark-learn.com, again, all these links are gonna be in the show notes and on the website for you guys to click through to. But they, this is a, I wanna say Swedish, a Swedish psychologist person who studies stuff. But anyways, he's the one that kind of like honed in on the VARC. They call them learning preferences. And so they have a great simple and straightforward questionnaire. And what I think is really cool about their website and their resources is that they have the VARC questionnaire for you know, adults and teenagers, but then they actually have one specific for younger people, so for kids. So the questions are written in such a way that you could sit there and ask your child, hey, if you were, you know, doing this, you have to present an idea to a class or a group, what would you do and read them the four answers and they could answer that or you know they can obviously read and answer it themselves depending on their age but that one that is cool that they have both a adult and a child version to help you get a better grasp on how you learn how you absorb material i think that's really the focus of the learning modalities is that how you best absorb and retain information yeah. versus you know how you think yeah, because the other thing with modalities is that what you'll see a lot of times when you get like a report, it'll give you a number, like a score for each modality. Yeah. And depending on you, it can it can vary a lot. But some people will have like really high scores in like visual and then a secondary in auditory. And then they might be down at kinesthetic at a one. You know, like I think theirs is a one to ten, something like that. Yeah. And there's actually visual oral. So yeah. A-U-R-A-L, not auditory. Yes. Uh, read, write, and kinesthetic. You know, but but that way you can kind of see, like, if you're a visual aural person, you know, a video, like a documentary might be really good because it's hitting both of those senses. As where if your kinesthetic is your dominant, it may not work out as well, yeah. um, especially if you're really low on those other two. So, and then you have other people who are kind of like middle of the road on all of them. They might be, you know, like their entire spectrum is a a five to a seven, or, you know, they might have a three, a, you know, a five and then two sevens, whatever that is. And so it kind of just gives you a, again, kind of that, if you're coordinate plane to everything, like here's where the blob kind of generally rests. 
-hmm. And especially for more difficult material, you might want to cater a little bit more to those. Yeah. That that ability level. But you definitely want to stretch in areas of strength or, or subjects of strength, stretch those non-easy modalities. Yeah. Because you, you can learn in them and you can definitely grow in them even if you're not good at them natively. Yeah. And I think it is important too to make sure that you as a parent are taking this questionnaire as well as having your kids take it because one of the things that can create conflict in a family and in a homeschool environment is if you as a parent are like, well, I'm really visual and I learn best this way. So that's, that must be how my kids learn best. So I'm going to show them tons of videos and, you know, documentaries, and we're going to, you know, draw things on the board, you know, if you mm -hmm. have a whiteboard or something set up, or we're going to, you know, show lots of visual things. But if that's not your kids mm -hmm. predominant, learning mode it's not going to stick and that's where you're going to have these friction points mm -hmm. as a parent and child and the whole idea the whole reason that we're doing this episode and talking about this and working through this in our own home is we're trying to reduce as many friction points as possible mm -hmm. because ultimately you don't want homeschooling to break down your family relationships. You want homeschooling to build up your family relationships. Yeah. That was a whole a huge factor in why we're homeschooling and why we're staying with homeschool, right? Because it's not easy. Like there's no, it's, there's, there is no like beautiful walk in the park every day of homeschooling is just this amazing, wonderful thing. It's actually quite frustrating. And there's a lot of days where I'm like, I'm so over this. Yeah. And walking in the park with five kids is always frustrating because they never stay. <laughs> like herding cats. It's yeah. like herding cats. Well, and I think a great example of this in particular that we had happen just the other day is I was going to go to the grocery store. And I started reading you the list of things, asking if there was anything else. And you literally stopped and were like, I'm visual. And I handed you my phone so that you could see it. Because despite the fact that I just read everything on that list, which was only like seven things. Yeah, it was, it was you a just small had trip. No capacity to comprehend what it was that I said no. until you could see it. Which is okay. So this way, I'm looking at my scores right now. I, I did the VARC questionnaire on their website. My scores right now, I am a seven for visual, a one for aural, a four for read, write, and a nine for kinesthetic. So as you can see, which is funny because I actually enjoy listening to podcasts and listening to audiobooks, but I can guarantee you, I do not absorb the material long-term the same way if I listen to a book mm -hmm. or a podcast or, you know, anything like that mm -hmm. versus if I watch a YouTube video mm -hmm. or engage in an activity, a learning activity, like, yeah. you know, like a field trip where we're panning for mm -hmm. gold, you know? Well, and another great example is like the way in which we go about showing each other things yeah. in the sense that like, I can stand over your shoulder and tell you how to navigate on the computer screen and you can't do that for me. You have to grab the mouse and do it yourself. Yeah, I can Because you're very kinesthetic. I cannot tell people. This was actually a huge friction point between myself and my mother in particular, right? Okay, generational differences, you know, working with technology, she needs help with the computer or something. Especially now we don't live in the same town. We live 
far away and she's asking me, how do I do this? And I'm sitting here going, I have no way to explain this. Like my, mm-hmm. I cannot come up with the words to say, okay, go up here and click. Cause even if I, I mean, I can tell her, but literally the only way that I can tell someone how to do it is if I'm physically doing it and then like trying and to explain it. To, but I'm horrible at like mm-hmm. just explaining something in words. I have to show people. Yeah. Which is why I, I had a niche for a long time of creating tutorials for YouTube for business owners mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, I'm super visual and I need to be shown. So let me show other yeah. people. And then that's where I shine in teaching the kids mm-hmm. is when I, you know, I can have a book open or a video up or images that I can show them or I can draw it out mm-hmm. for them or act it out for them depending yeah. on what we're learning. Yeah. And like, meanwhile, because I'm higher in RL, not only do I listen to podcasts and gain a lot from them, it really bugs me when I get interrupted or when I miss a part. And mm-hmm. so you'll like leave the room and come back and it doesn't bug you. And for me, if I, oh, if, if I'm listening, to yeah, if you're listening to something yeah, as where for me, like if a kid bugs me and I miss two words, I will go back and listen because I need to know what that was in order to unify the whole talk. Yeah. And so it's just a very different and, and you can work within these, but like knowing that you're visual, like I just know that if you don't make eye contact with me, you're not, you don't hear me. Like uh, you just don't hear me. hundred percent. But I had to learn that over years. Over of years like, of like talking to me while I'm staring at my computer and then being, well, I told you that whole thing earlier today. I'm like, you were taught what? Exactly. <laughs> because <laughs> like, because I did not in her have mind, that conversation. it just doesn't, it doesn't register that she's being talked to. As yeah. where for me, I can be staring at something and doing things and I can still hear the kids in the other room or hear the conversation. Now I can't like listen and but I, yeah. I know our brains are only capable yeah. of so much. Like I'll know that someone was talking to me, even if I couldn't tell you what they said, mm. because my brain allows that. Oh, you're talking to me <laughs> to come through. But it's just so funny how that works, and and it may actually help you to discover where some of your communication issues are in your family yeah. and in your extended family, and just like why is it that they can't? Why don't they hear me? Why don't they understand? Well, if they weren't looking at you. Or why is it that I've shown them 15 times and they still can't get it? Well, maybe they don't need to show. Maybe they need to do. Or they need it written down. Or they need it written down. They need written. Yeah. So it just, it's a very different thing and it's very helpful in this. But I think it also leads into our next one, which is environmental preferences. Yes. Because there are things that I can do in these categories with certain environmental preferences and others that I cannot. Yes. So... Next topic, environmental preferences. So this has less to do with, you know, your brain and how it works specifically, but more about how to create an environment that fosters the most beneficial, you know, situation for you to learn, to concentrate. And so this is based on research by the Duns, Dun and Dun, AKA husband and wife. So these include things like location. So in the How They Learn book, she was talking about, you know, she always likes to sit on the floor. 
even as a kid, she liked to sit on the floor. Even now as an adult, she likes to sit on the floor versus sitting at a table or at a desk, sitting upright. Some kids like to be on their bed. Some kids like to be in a comfortable chair. Some kids wanna be outside. Some kids need to be inside. So that's location side part of it. Comfort level, you know, temperature. Some of us, if it's too warm, we cannot focus at all. And some, it's Go the opposite. Yeah, it's on the opposite, where if it's too cold, they're just like, yeah, brain shuts down. Exactly. Noise. So whether you like a noisy environment or whether you need it to be really quiet, you know, for me, if there's just random noise, like the kids yelling and talking and, you know, that kind of stuff, I cannot focus for the life of me. But like, ambient noise i actually used to use an app or a website that had the sounds of a coffee shop and you know or i could go to a coffee shop back in the day when in california you could go (laughs) to a coffee shop and sit down and work oh where have we gone so i i would go and i would sit and i would be able to focus also you know both of us really like to use electronic Mm -hmm. type music yeah. Like with the heavy bass beats, but not lyrically there. Yeah, if there's lyrics, most of the time I can't think through it because yeah. I do. Maybe it's because I grew up listening to country and country is very lyrically driven. And so I have to listen to the words. Yeah. Like there are still songs. But you're that very, like... but you're very oral. Yeah. So it like sticks. I can sometimes listen to stuff with words, but usually, usually I prefer things like electronica or ambient noise, or even now I've gotten into a little bit of the binaural Mm -hmm. frequency beat things. Mm -hmm. I know that can get a little woo woo, but you know, I was just like pull one up on YouTube and Well, because like, I know as an example of this is like, I'm great at a coffee shop, even reading, until someone sits down at the table next to me and starts having a conversation. Yeah. I cannot think through someone else's conversation. I cannot read through someone else's conversation. I may not even want to listen, but if it is differentiated enough that I can pick out that particular conversation, it is almost impossible for me to read. Now I can do other things, Yeah. but like, like you said, like mindless tasks, what I consider mindless tasks, you know, trance, EDM, trap, like those kind of beats, or even just like classical music, most of the time I'm trying to also drown out children noise, so that helps. Yeah, but it's like sure. anything like that I can I can think through, I can work to, as long as there's not strong or there has to be very little lyrics. Yeah. So, so anyways, yeah, so that's noise level lighting. There are some people who need it very bright and be able to, you know, see, and other people actually prefer softer, dimmer light to do their work. It mm-hmm. just helps I focus better, stay calmer. And so, you know, like there's an example of, you know, walking into a room and the kid has like one tiny lamp on and they're like, you can't, you're going to strain your eyes, you know, Mm -hmm. turn on the lights. But if that's better for them, then let them do it. When I was in a classroom, I almost always kept my lights off, either all the way off or at least half of them off. And it didn't matter which classroom I was in. I had the, the windows open and light coming in through there. The natural light. The natural light. But like, 
I even I had multiple administrators like I thought you weren't in here because your lights were off. But I like I just don't like bright classrooms. I don't work well in super bright things. But even now I I work at a standing desk, and it kind of has to do with light. But I have a window in front of my desk, and when the curtain is drawn on that window, it doesn't work for me. I have to open the window. I have to be able to see out the window, even if it's bright light outside. Mm-hmm. There's a cover over there, so it's not like ever super bright. But like the 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 visual space has a, a profound impact on how I feel while I work, even if it doesn't seem to have any noticeable effect on my work. Yeah. I, I feel very different and I don't like to be there as long as it's closed off. Yeah. So lighting is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Like I like dim lights. Lighting smells. So this is, this wasn't listed specifically, I don't think in the book, but I know for us, we use a lot of essential oils in our home and that's one of the other things that i do is part of the young living essential oils and so using different scents to trigger a more focused environment can be really helpful for different kids and some kids you know they want a certain kind of i know like our daughter is super picky when it comes to scent and essential oils and what she uses in her room and so she likes the bright cheery citrus the lemon Mm -hmm. the orange the you know all of that so that's what she likes to diffuse in her room that helps her and like for me being mildly add and having anxiety type stuff there are specific oils that help me with just calming my nervous system calming my brain inciting focus Mm -hmm. Well, and sense, scent is so closely tied to memory yeah. and, and your emotions, even on a subconscious level, it can help you create some sort of uniformity or routine or help trigger your brain to know that it's time for such and such. Yes. So if you have a particular scent that you put on for focus, even if it's not something that is naturally given, like you're not naturally given to focus because of that scent, if you then focus, it's kind of Pavlovian, if you focus with the scent, eventually what will happen is your brain will be like, oh, I smell the scent, it's time to focus. Yeah, exactly. So you can actually train your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, Transitions that. throughout the day or anything. Like- yeah, exactly. So that's another environmental preference or factor. Food or drink. So do you need to have water with you all the time? Do you need to be eating a snack to focus better? I think this is one that you know, you have to be mindful with kids. Like they may focus better when they're eating or food may be a complete distraction to them and they mm-hmm. can't get anything done mm-hmm. if there's food anywhere around. Or if they've just eaten or if they've not. Like I know that since I started doing intermittent fasting, I've gotten a lot better at focusing in the morning. That the, the lack of food, because I don't eat breakfast most days, that helps me focus and helps me stay maintained mm-hmm. like and, and engage more distinctly. Yeah. And then I kind of have a lull after I eat lunch. and. Yeah. I'm yeah, kind of groggy and ready for a nap. Yep. And and the book that we're referencing a lot is written more towards families who are in traditional schools. So it's like, oh, that your kid's doing their homework versus schoolwork during the day. So, you know, a lot of times kids come home from school or from activities and they haven't eaten since lunch and they may need a snack to help them get into a place where they can focus. So... That's not one. And then the last one in environmental preferences is the time of day. So we've got morning people and night owls and parents 
want to fight this a lot and we want to try to put ourselves into this box of like oh successful people get up early our you pastor can't. has used that one for over a decade now oh yeah you know so the thing <laughs> is like don't put people into a box don't put your kids into a box and if they really focus better after dinner and you know stay up late and they have to do that but then you let them sleep in in the morning that's what gets the work done and that's mm -hmm. what helps them actually learn and retain information let them do it or if they're like our beautiful wonderful early morning children who get up kira will get up at six o'clock in the morning and some days she will have 99 percent of her schoolwork done before i am even alive mm -hmm. to the day and that's okay because she yeah. likes to be up and productive first thing in the morning and that works for her well an example of this is actually that the traditional schools have actually shifted here in california they passed a law last year that goes into full effect next year i think that puts earliest time limits that schools can start mm. so i think for high school they're not allowed to start school until nine o'clock starting next school year maybe the following one but it's because they've now decided there's enough evidence that especially teenagers in a world with social media and people staying up with screens all night like they're not getting enough sleep and it's really beginning to affect them and not only is it a sleep thing but it's also a they don't work as well early in the morning so if you get a 16 year old up at six to get to school at seven so they can start school that's not as effective in their actual learning outcomes as if you get them up at seven and get them to school by eight mm -hmm. and even less so and so they have these brackets now where it's like you know elementary can start at eight middle school can start at 8 30 high school can start at nine and then they push everything back or however that works out for them i don't know because i don't care because i homeschool but they're beginning to see that like time of day does have a huge impact because I know that like your dad in particular works really well at night and always mm -hmm. has. He doesn't do well in the morning, but everyone's a little bit different. So yeah, exactly. So experiment. So one of the big things, especially with the environmental preference section here is to allow for experimentation. If your child says, I want to work in my room on my bed that's where i'm gonna get the most work done i want to have the lights off but the window open and i want to be listening to music it's like okay i'm gonna give you two weeks i'm gonna allow you to function and do this in this manner this way and we're gonna see how the quality of your work turns out now, as a homeschool parent, we have to bear the burden of actually evaluating their work, right? They're not turning something into a teacher in most cases. So if you're actually evaluating their work in that two weeks and go, okay, are they improving? Are they declining? You know, what is the outcome of this experiment? Then you can say, all right, nope, that didn't work. So we're going to regroup and you're going to do it the way that I say to do it. Or at least we're going to remove this element because that is providing a distraction rather than helping you focus mm -hmm. and so just using that especially if you're just getting started in homeschooling and trying to find that balance and 
what you know, works. Find your sweet spot and your sweet spot will shift over time, but trying to find your sweet spot for right now, that's a good thing. Okay, so we've done mind styles, modalities, and environmental preferences. So that is a good chunk. And then next, we still are going to go over the idea of multiple intelligences, internal and external motivation. And then we wanted to um, talk a little bit about the uh, learning cycles and then learning styles versus learning disabilities and differences. So that's up next. Hey guys, Melissa here again, real quick to ask you a huge favor. If you could head over to iTunes and leave a review for this podcast, that would be amazing. Our podcast can only reach people if they know it exists. So please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you love this episode or any of our episodes, make sure to share it with your friends send it to them or tag us on Instagram at trailblazing homeschool. If you want to learn more about us and how you can connect with us, head over to our website, www.trailblazinghomeschool.com. Of course, all those links are in the show notes.